0: you're on super we're recording hi everyone my name is ifa funke i am a compulsive overeater and i'm grateful to be able to share tonight and it's funny that i'm grateful because i'm sick my voice doesn't normally sound like this and i've been working since about 5 a.m and i take my toddlers to work with me um today on tuesdays and it's (laughs) it's it's pretty rough and without program, I think I would feel sorry for myself. I'd be pretty resentful. I got home, I was two minutes late to this meeting cause I drive an hour and a half, but then I decided to focus on gratitude and um, see it that I'm doing God's will and the opportunity to be able to share. And with program, if you don't work it, it doesn't work. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I got home in time. I'm grateful that I have enough energy. I was meditating this morning. I said, God, this is too much. You told me to work on self-care. I should have said no. One, I hardly ever say no to service. Two, God said, don't worry, kid. I'll give you the energy. So here I am. Um, I've been in OA for probably 17 or 18 years. And I know that um, the... I'm supposed to pick a topic, so I'll let you know beforehand. The topic is, I think it's gonna be the steps. I was asking God how I should format the meeting and the speaker getter told me what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, and then I'll talk about the steps. And I'll I'll start by saying I came to program and for five years I felt like seen, but not seen enough. I've, uh, let me show you my pictures. I'm almost 40 now. And this is me in high school, probably about 280 pounds. And then this is my heaviest in college, probably about 230 pounds, 330 pounds, sorry, big difference. (laughs) That's not a long day, forgive me. And I'm down about 165 pounds. And when I first came to program, I found program, in my opinion, it was on a fluke, but it was totally God. Um, I had a very rough childhood. I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be here according to my parents. Both my parents were raging alcoholics and raging drug addicts, very irresponsible. Um, Couldn't even be seen in the same room with you. They just were just partying all the time which made me feel very, very angry. And I knew there was a God, but God just had nothing to do with me. Like I, for some reason, I was just perpetually different. So when I came to program, it was God that brought me here. And it's, it's a funny story. There was a woman that was eating fried meat and she was losing weight. And she said, oh, I'm going to this program. And then something just said, I wonder if there's a program called Overeaters Anonymous. And I researched it and I went to my first meeting the next day. And it was interesting because it was in San Francisco and it was a bulimics and anorexics meeting. And I was so heavy, I could barely like fit in the seats without like my legs. I couldn't fit in the seat. And I'd never felt more at home than with a bunch of really thin people that like had, had words for my problem that I have with food. And I bring up the steps because for five years, it was like these people see me, but I'm still different. I still feel a little different, but like 99% less different. So with that, I thought I could do it my way. I didn't need a sponsor. The steps, like I didn't even, I was so like in the food and in my own, um, I don't want to call it insanity, but in my own mind that I don't even think for going to five years, I even ever heard anyone say the steps. I just came, I complained about my life. I listened to other people complain about their life. It's like, this is great. I was sober for an hour. And then I went out and did (laughs) pretty wild stuff. And um, God one day, probably 13 years ago said, Hey, enough. And I had a friend that I'd made in program and we went to dinner that night and she said, oh, there's this thing called AWOL, um, a way of life. And it's an intensive 12 step that we used to do. I don't know if they do it anymore with COVID and everything in um, the East Bay Fellowship. And it's an intensive 12 steps. You do it with a bunch of OA people. You meet once a week. One of the requirements is that you have to have a sponsor. So I was like, well, let's just try it. I tell you, it was not me that had the willingness to do this. You know, if, if if someone didn't tell me how heavy I was, I probably wouldn't even know. I was so locked in my head, so fearful and so isolated that everything was just a blur. I went to work. I had some associates. I partied. I drank and ate a lot. And it was just that much of a, it wasn't that, you know, it was really that bad. I can't even lie to you. I, I, I couldn't imagine that I would have to live the rest of my life like that. I actively looked for ways to try to kill myself. So back to the steps. Well, where I'm going to. So one day God raised my hand at the end of the meeting where they go, would anyone need a sponsor? And I say, yeah, I need a sponsor. And then this woman, um, said, okay, well, I'll be your sponsor. And then we met at the ca- a cafe in Berkeley. And the first thing I had to do was step one. She was very, pretty matter of fact. And she gave me a food plan, which was, I eat a cup of carbohydrates, four ounces of protein, and two cups of vegetables with every meal. That sounded like crazy and not enough food. But anyways, back to step one. Admit that we are powerless over food and that our lives have become unmanageable. And it's crucial, I'll just say this. I don't believe program any kind of 12-step works without doing the steps and without doing it with someone else or a group. It just doesn't work. As an addict, you'll outthink yourself, you'll outact yourself. I mean, I could be on a diet in my head while eating a box of something. That's literally how it's saying compulsive overeating is for me. And I remember, I'm going all over the place, but I remember one time in my diet days, I'd written a list of uh, my what I was going to eat that day, because I probably saw that on TV, what I ate that day. I'd had a full sugary breakfast, a full sugary snack, a heavy fatty lunch. I came home, I had another snack, like not just nibbles, like a whole meal, I had a full dinner, then I had a full bottle of wine, and then about two desserts. And in my insane compulsive overeating, eating, that was me on a good day. And not until I looked at that list that I found in my room with some, you know, probably a few months behind me, I go, God, this is insane. But you know, so back to step one, my sponsor said, write a food history and I was all poetic, so I wrote a poem to food. And she said, no no, 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 that's not quite it. That's literally like, I was in the fog. I think I even wrote a circular poem. And I'm not, I, I am artistic, but I'm not a writer and I'm not like a figurative writer. <laughs> and then it was like, write a food history. And I was just looking back briefly, it was like, wow, I went to college on a, a quarter system. So I had to fly back home every 10 weeks. Every 10 weeks, my body got bigger and bigger in the car, in the plane seat until the point where I had to have an extension. And at this point, I was smoking weed pretty heavy. So it was just like being like completely out of it, ashamed, embarrassed that I'm spilling over into the next person's seat. And the anger would just make me want to use more. The anger would just make me feel like, see, they're against me. No one understands. And then I'm just stuck in this like prison in my head. And I could feel it in my body, but I would never be able to articulate that if it wasn't for step one. I would never be able to go, the food has caused, has been like a product of all these situations. I remember, I I just, I feel like I need to bring it up because it was such a a first step experience. People would, strangers all the time would go, you're pretty, but you're so fat. (laughs) And you you can't say anything. You're just like, Uh, thank you. And I'm a very like meek person socially. So it was just like being bombasted with embarrassments and insults in school from strangers, from friends. It felt like nonstop, which made me very fucking angry, like really angry and made me believe in God even less because I'm stuck in this hell no one can see. And then with step one, with this perfect stranger, I got to like, and it was just like, I can't say that the veil the veil was lifted, but it, it was like they it, it was a very big turning point. So step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. <laughs> That's how I felt about that one. Whatever. And they'd say, fake it till you make it. All right. So I I I used to have a very colorful imagination. I used to imagine I put this plate with this food that a woman told me how much to put on it. And then there'd be this big white light. And I used to live alone. And I'd present this plate to this white light and the white light would go, you have my blessings. And I I'd try to eat as slow as possible. And then I try to drink as much tea or Diet Coke or water or seltzer water as I could handle until I went to sleep. And then that eventually got less hard. I feel like I should say, step two today for me is very different. I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place, I had 3 children in 2020, one in January and two in December. And then 7 weeks after my twins were born, my son died. And this the day I had my first child was the day like the whole world shut down. So God's timing is impeccable. And um pregnancy was really uncomfortable gaining weight, eating I never like went to sugar, but it was like carbs. And then my son died and this woman that I don't care for too much said, oh, we're praying for you at my church. Why don't you come? And I've been, I, I, I'm, I was born Muslim and um, I'm, I wasn't an atheist, but I just, church to me was just like talking heads. And I'm not saying anyone here should go to church. I'm just telling you my own experience. And God knew at that time that if that hadn't happened, I don't know what I would be today. I just lost my sister. My son died. All of a sudden, I have like a full family from being single and living alone. And um, there was this woman that was in this how meeting, which I'm a part of how away now. And she just lost a hundred and like. 70 pounds oh that's sexy I want that and then I don't know if I called her or she called me and then she said oh I'm retired now but I'm I was like a social worker for dead babies and I didn't put two and two together but I just said well this woman will understand my grieving and I could I can't put it into words for you but my reliance on a higher power has been growing ever since, because I'm just becoming more aware of how little I control and how much God does care for me. And if I tell you the humor is not lost upon me, I I didn't understand church. I didn't understand the Bible. I thought Christians were hypocrites. I was just as smart as they come. Now I can't wait to go to church just so I can feel God in my heart. and. I don't know, I I don't really have many other words to say about that, but if you pursue the relationship, it will grow. And you'll come to find that your higher power cares for you and will do anything that's in your best interest, if you ask. So step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to care care of God as we understood him. That used to be a very funny one for me too. I used to go, I, I I, used to call my sponsor and go, how do I know what's God's will? And she'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> she'd give me some like esoteric answer or not an answer. And then I've come to find that if I have, um, if it has an icky feeling, it's not God's will. If I have, I call it an emotional hangover. When in doubt, leave it out the best way. Can't say I'm perfect. I'm not perfect at that at all. But that icky feeling is definitely an indication that it's not in God's will. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago, God's will, God's will. To me, it used to just seem like a bunch of tickets that I got out of like a vending machine. Like I'm just stacking my tickets for God's will. Now I'm like, oh, (laughs) this guy knows better than I do. Sometimes. All the time. But my ego only allows it sometimes. So it just gets more and more and more. Step four is a very funny one because the old me, <laughs> I'm sorry I keep saying that, but I really feel like I've recently had a spiritual awakening. The old me would used to hear that people go, I hate doing step four. I've been doing it for years and I have to get the perfect notebook. And all I heard was you get to say everybody that you hate and everything you hate about them and list, and list it out. An extensive detail and then someone's gonna listen to it. I was like, I don't see the problem with that. And it turns out I have a part in everything. And if you're new to program, that's not to say if something horrible happened to you, you caused it, but you start to see with step four that your reactions and behaviors and beliefs contribute to the problem. Never thought I'd hear myself say that. For example, I can't stand my mom. <laughs> I mean, i that's not true, but I like the phone rings and I'm just like this demonic woman that never cared about me and never raised me like I should have been raised, she didn't love me. I don't feel grounded in this earth. It was just like drugs and partying all the time, made it very clear that I wasn't wanted. So I'm going to make her pay until the day she dies by letting her know how much I don't like her. Not directly cursing her out, but by being as disgruntled and unwelcoming as possible. And wouldn't you know, the other day I was writing, I said, God, why am I so discontented? I have everything I ever wanted. I have my own business. I have a family. I work from home, mostly. Why am I just so discontented? And just... I don't know if it's true, but it's the message I got, the the hate that I'm holding for my mom in my heart. And I said, well, how do I deal with that? And then I heard, every time you call her, every time you talk to her, just slow down. And I remember one time in a how meeting, I heard this speaker whose mom sounded almost worse than mine. And she was like, I forgave my mom. I was like, what the fuck? Excuse my language. That's never going to happen to me. I'm going to this anger until it, <laughs> you can tell how angry I am, but it's lessening. What can I say? It's lessening. And my part in it is continuing a grudge because I'm a pretty peaceful person. I believe in, you know, being kind to people. I can't be mean to someone and then kind to others. It's just like t- turning faces. And having my own children now, I can have some compassion, some understanding of how difficult it is, especially if you have addictions. Not excusing it, but I understand more. Step five. Oh, this is a doozy. Well, step five, you just tell someone else. That's not the hard part. I'll I'll leave that one short because we're moving ahead. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. This has been an interesting one because I've been working with one of my OA sponsors on step four, which kind of bleeds into five and six and seven. For probably four years now, we do a a 12-step study every Wednesday morning. And there are these character defects that I've had for forever. I don't want to say years, forever, as long as I've been alive. And I have had no reprieve at all. One of them is people pleasing, fear of financial insecurity. Those are the main two. And not, it's literally taken me having to talk about these things for four years and then conceptualizing more that it's not me that gets rid of them, that I'm finally starting to see like a break in the ice. It's amazing. It's funny because I'm such a people pleaser. I'm like, <laughs> someone was making fun of me the other day, uh, uh, the manager at my gym. She says, you're one of those people that if a stranger comes with a van and says, get in, you can't say no. So you go, oh yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's funny to anyone, but that's kind of me. And not really, but you get the point. And now I'm becoming more aware of myself. And my therapist always goes, you don't even like them. I and mean, then it's like, oh, I don't even like them. Or I, I feel indifferent towards this person. I don't need to put up this whole show because what it is for me is it's very draining. I'm an introvert. So all that people pleasing and seeking validation is very, very draining. And um, it, it all stems from, you know, childhood not being validated at all and just kind of like floating in the air. So I'm constantly trying to grasp for that. And when I remember that, I try to ground into higher power and know that higher power at this point in my life is the only one that can give me validation, the validation I seek. It's very painful. That's I'm still tough, avoiding, man. thank you, writing about some aspects of it, but it's becoming clearer and clearer to me, trust me, I'm not perfect, that only higher power can do these things for me. Uh, seven, humbly asking to remove our shortcomings. I think we just talked about that. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Most of my amends have been living amends of not repeating the same behavior or when I get in the same situation with a different person, not repeating that same behavior like passive aggressiveness, cheating, lying, being dishonest about my feelings. And uh, step nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I have done some of that with my mom. It's, it's a <laughs> it's a very interesting living amends because it man it is painful. But every day, God gives me a millimeter of more acceptance and willingness. Step 10. I used to take step 10 pretty thoroughly. And I stopped maybe like seven years ago. And for some reason, a couple like a couple of weeks ago, I had the the something just said, take a step ten. And step ten, I was in a meeting last night, and <laughs> 12 steps are so brilliant. You could read the same sentence a thousand times, and on that a thousand and one time, it sounds completely different. And then we were talking last night, and they said kept saying, continue to take personal inventory. Continue to take personal inventory. Continue means like you persevere. You're always doing it. I mean, I think they didn't want to say daily, but that's basically what it is. Continue to take personal inventory. And it has this weird effect of helping to build self, my self-esteem. My 10th step is I write three things that worked out well that day, three things that didn't work out well that day. And it's usually some kind of fear or some kind of belief and three things that I'm grateful for. And the three things that worked out really well that day helped to like build my own self esteem to make me not feel like I'm just some like <laughs> lightless ship in the night just going aimlessly nowhere. And three things that I can work on it makes it seem it makes it so that my issues have a beginning and an end, so that I can see where I am and then I can make progress the next day, ask for progress the next day. But it 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 just t- turns in from something nebulous into something concrete. That's what's so important about writing and doing the steps. And then three things I'm grateful for. (laughs) I have this uh, OA fellow and she goes, well, what's today's problem? I mean, we could have everything we've ever wanted in life and it will not be enough. I hate to be so dire, but never in my life did I think I would be in a normal sized body with a family and a respected community business and people that love and respect me and want me in their lives. That's how dire everything was, felt. So being gr- grateful for those things, I don't always feel it, but it just stacks up. Step 11, ooh, everyone's favorite, sought through prayer and meditation. <laughs> to improve our conscious contact with God as you understood him, praying for the knowledge only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. That's been a hard one. I do get on my knees every day. I say the third step prayer and I say, God, I'm powerless over food. Please help me. And if it's hard, I go, God, I'm powerless over weed. Please help me. God, I'm powerless over cigarettes. Please help me. God, I'm powerless over alcohol. Please help me. And if any of those things come up in the day, I say, God, I'm powerless. Please help. That's all. Just keep it simple. And then I say the third step prayer. And meditation is one that I've been, I don't, I know I'm not the only one. It's been particularly hard. And um, I've been doing it more regularly. I've even spent hundreds of dollars on meditation courses. And then it's over. (laughs) But I do wake up at 5.30 and I just sit in a chair and I go, God, what's up? I don't say, I'm, I'm more formal than that. And then I have a, a couple steps that I've learned in meditation courses I've taken, but I just, my, my pastor was saying the other day, you, move, you walk towards God, he runs towards you. And only in silence can I feel that energy so that I don't feel like I'm going at this all alone. And can God's will be more clear? Oh, my toddlers are running in my office. <laughs> And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. All I can say is they're not lying when they say that the purpose of our life is to be of service. If you're lacking self-esteem, if you feel like you're lacking purpose, find a way to be of service to others. Thanks.